0: This is a speaker meeting. This is the time for our speakers to share their experience, strength, and hope for approximately 30 minutes. And today our speaker is Judy. Um, all right. Well, thank you. And uh, I wasn't able to change my name up there on the, on the thing, but that's my name underneath my full name, Judy Hollis. And if you want to get in touch with me, it's just Judy Hollis at AOL.com. And I won't put it in the chat because I don't like the distractions of going to chats while people are talking, et cetera, but it's judyhollis at AOL.com. And if you want to reach me, I'm there. Um, also in, in terms of distractions, uh, you know, I'm really old school and I really believe that we draw each other out. There's a connection and an energy that happens in these sacred spaces of our meetings together and I can already tell that most of you are of the same ilk because you're looking at me. Uh, But what I want to say is that very often I've listened at meetings while I'm doing my other emails and other stuff. And that is so cool. And that is perfect to do. What I want to ask is if you are going to be doing other things, if you'll just put yourself uh, off a video, stop your video so I don't have to, see you moving around and uh, talking to other folks or whatever you're gonna do because I wanna look at you and make connection with you. Uh, so thank you very much. It's all, all good, no problem. Uh, so hi, my name is Judy. I am a recovering compulsive overeater. And if you wanna put on your audio, that's okay with me. If you wanna laugh with me or say hi, Judy, whatever, it's cool if it's possible. Anyway, I don't want to uh, overstep any bounds. So uh, I hope you're noticing if you can tell, but I am wearing my holiday bathing suit. Hey, it's a holiday weekend. And the most important thing, and too bad for you who can't see, is the shoes, ah? (laughs) Look at these red, white, and blue and striped shoes. I got them at the 99 cent store, and you can get some too. So uh, I am looking forward to a fabulous day today. Uh, First, I'm here on with you, and then I'm going to uh, two two two-hour workshops, and then the South Bay Roundup is happening this weekend, and that's totally free and great, southbayroundup.com. Oh, man, we are so lucky during this time, as soon as this thing happened, I started on the Zooming, I even wrote an article about all the wonderful lessons that we are getting from our Zoom connections that are what everybody in the society needs to hold on to now, one day at a time, this too shall pass, all of it, all of our slogans. So I've been having a a pretty good time and I, I will admit that I am, white privileged. I'm not out of work facing, uh, you know, the things that some others are. So uh, I do have compassion around that. So uh, Thanksgiving morning of 1974, I woke up crying and shaking in the midst of sugar withdrawals. And as most of you might know, if you have a history like mine, is usually the fourth through the sixth day is the worst. And that's why most of us give up our diets on Thursday. So I had been to my first OA m- meeting that Monday before. Uh, I did not like the meeting. I did not like any of the ladies there. I thought that their mumus were not as slick as mine. Uh, and they, uh, the worst thing about them is that they, you know, you went up to a podium and they all went up there and said, they were grateful oh my god and it didn't matter what stage their body was in but they were all grateful i said what the heck <sighs> so i couldn't wait to get out of there and then the last person up was the speaker for that meeting and she was very well dressed and groomed and kind of stylish and uh she got up and she talked with such rage and anger it was like electricity shot off her head (laughs) and reached me in that back row she said she hated her husband she hated her husband's secretary and this woman you just knew when she left the meeting she was going to go out and kill somebody you know and I said now there's my kind of people so I asked her to be my sponsor and I will tell you that. A few weeks later, she totally left Los Angeles. This was in Los Angeles. She left. Uh, We never heard from her again. But now, 46 years later, I stuck. So whoever wants to say positive pitches, only positive pitches, if I had come here and heard all you positive pitches, I never would have come back. So for the last 46 years, unfortunately, I have used these rooms a lot as my whiner, complainer, uh, storm and drum, chaos, whatever. I brought it here and out in the world I was functional and successful and put on the dog. But all my life I'd wanted a place where I didn't have to do all that tap dancing. I was overcoming such low self-esteem and self-hate that I was always impressing the folks, that I was always, you know, yada yada. And then I'd go home and eat and drink and do whatever I had to do. So uh in fact I once had an image I wanted to be like a uh like a little amoeba that you know with little hairs on it, you know, and I would just slide up onto a chair and <laughs> so I'd sort of slurp over the sides. And people would come over and pet me and say, oh, there, there, little amoeba, and we don't expect anything of you. And that's the relief I got in these rooms with you guys, that I didn't have to do it anymore, that I could just fall apart, and that I could just wait, wait until my authentic self showed up. So... A big message for me in this recovery is what it is on the back of some of our coins that we get. And it says, to thine own self be true. And somehow I got that message that this was gonna be a cooperative program that I was gonna take input from you and find out, take what you can use and leave the rest. I would find out what, what spoke to my soul and what I didn't need to deal with. We're all different. Some of us are extroverts, introverts, all kinds of food issues, it, you know? So, I'm not gonna talk very much about uh, my life before this program because uh, I think most of our lives before this program are pretty much the same. We tried real hard and we failed, hello? Otherwise, we're not going to be in these rooms, honey. You know, we're going to be somewhere where we flash open our trench coat and brag about our weight loss or whatever we want to do there. Uh, I'm a nine-time loser at Weight Watchers, by the way. I lost every time I went, except the 10th time. And the 10th time I went and didn't lose at all. So uh, so uh, I dieted my weight at 222 pounds, and I'm 5'4". And uh, the, the real deal is that I was also, at that time, when I walked into these rooms, I was a state licensed marriage and family counselor. My specialty was addictions. I supervised many alcoholism treatment programs in the early 70s when they were all brand new. I was a pioneer in the addiction field and I could not stop eating. I went to USC for my graduate school and there was a debate between USC and UCLA in those years and USC was the clinical school while UCLA was the rat psychology school and you know USC prided themselves on putting out great clinicians and one of the ways was they confronted you and you learned about yourself and you know it was constant encounter groups and all that stuff which was really great nobody ever asked me about my weight it was like the elephant in the room that's never discussed you know and i learned about that years later when i was uh well anyway i don't have that much time this time but i i will be talking for a longer time in a month so email me i'll let you know but uh anyway it was a shame to talk to people about their weight. You know, the best you got, 10 minutes? That was 10 yes. minutes. Thank you. The best you got was a doctor handing you a diet across a big brown desk. Here, do this. Do this. <laughs> if I could do that, I wouldn't be sitting in his office. Come on. We're not dumb. And, if you, you know, then the next week, come back and the girls will weigh you in. You didn't get to talk to the doctor anymore. The girls, away you in. Shame, mortification. When I finished uh, the two-year part of my graduate school, I got my master's degree, and I was offered a job to help open Sybil Brandt, which was the new women's prison down in downtown L.A., to be the clinical director of the place. And um, very wonderful opportunity. and. Uh, Uh, When I went for the higher-end physical, I weighed 187, and the doctor said, gee, you know, our top allowance, our top weight at your height is 185, but he said, I get to take a whole month giving you this higher-end physical, so why don't you go home and lose those two pounds, and we'll weigh you in next week when you come back. So at that time, the Atkins diet was really hot, you know. So I said, well, I'm going to go home and I'm going to eat dry roasted peanuts for the month, for the week. That's all I'm going to eat. Well, I waited two weeks to go back to weigh in. And when I went back, I was 192. And the doctor stared at me. And I kind of backed out of the room. I mean, what do you say? So our literature talks about painful and incomprehensible demoralization. We paid our dues. Somebody's talking. A man's voice. Maybe you can mute yourself. Cool. Thank you. So um, that's... Anyway, I tried my best. And I'd never heard of Overeaters Anonymous, although I worked in alcoholism. I went to AA meetings, took the patients there, thought it was great, cried in staffings, why isn't there help for people like me? We're helping all these alcoholics, there's no help for me. And they said, that's right. There's no help for people like you. You've always been that way. You're always going to be that way. In Los Angeles, the birthplace of OA, All of us great experts had never heard of it. So uh, I learned from a client about Overeaters Anonymous. I sneaked up to her after this meeting because I didn't want anyone to know I was fat. You know, I was constantly image, image, image. So anyway, that Thanksgiving morning, I woke up crying and shaking. I said, I can't do this. I called that, that angry lady. She helped walk me through how I'd handle the dinner at my Aunt Myra's house that afternoon. She said, why don't you go go in a room and write? Uh, I strongly encourage writing. It has helped me throughout my recovery. I recommend it for everybody. And as I was writing, I got an image of myself at five years old. My dad was in the army. We lived in Frankfurt, Germany. I was walking by myself in Frankfurt, bombed out buildings on both sides of the street, neglect all alone. And I remembered looking down at the sidewalk, it was a cracked sidewalk, probably from the bombings. And I heard a voice say, just stay on the path, just stay on the path. Believe me, I don't believe in any of this Zuby stuff. I mean, you know, I... (laughs) I didn't know about channeling, whatever. But that message has held for me because my recovery has changed a lot. My food plans have changed a lot. 46 years. I hope you change some, you know? So uh, anyway, I've, I've been in this program way more than half of my life. So my early programming is not as important as what I've been through in recovery. And and I'll go there. Um, The first year I lost 60 pounds and my husband lost his job twice due to his alcoholism. I forgot to mention I was living with a man at home who beat me periodically. Uh, So I had all this great image and helped others out in the world and I would come home and get beaten. And that's exactly how my childhood had been. Uh, All the neighbors thought I was the cutest little wonderful kid in the world. Teachers loved me. I went home. You're a no good piece of doo-doo. Bam, bam, bam. So um, I recreated that in my adult relationships. That's where I had my degradation. These are a lot of things to work through. Please, if you're new, don't get scared. You have the rest of your life. But you know what? You get to be honest. You get to find out who you really are. Um, So, of course, I was thrown into Al-Anon. And then there was another one of those big messages a year later. My husband was still beating me. I didn't know what to do. I don't want to leave the house. It's where I see clients, blah, 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 blah. And I... I was in a Gestalt training group at the time, and uh, I was crying and talking about this stuff, and the woman who was playing therapist for our little dyads uh, encouraged me, and I explained to her why I couldn't leave the house because of the clients and the mortgage, and he's lost his job, I can still pay the mortgage, et cetera. He won't leave, and she just said to me, well, there will always be something. And it was like, bam, bong, bong. Chapel bells went off and sun shone down like the little brown church in the veil. And I said, I have to leave. Wow. So the next day with no anger, no chaos, no crying, totally neutral. I said, Howard, one of us has to leave today. If it's not you, it's me, but we're not gonna do this for one more day. When you know what's up, people hear it. He said, okay, I'll leave. And he left. I've never been beaten again. It's not his fault. He had this disease. He didn't even know he was in blackouts. I've never been beaten again, he eventually died of his alcoholism, and my life soared. So for the next many years, things happened just by my following direction and staying on this path. My sponsors, oh, I became so obsessed with my work, I was like, oh my god, I'm so important and I'm so smart. I have a responsibility to share the message and blah, 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 blah. And my sponsor said, you are on a dry drunk. You must give up some of this work or you are going to regain your weight. You're going to slip again. So I said, I can't. Blah, blah, blah. You know, I did what she said. I gave up my 20-hour-a-week consulting at the Navy hospital. The next day, An administrator at another hospital asked me, hey, you've been losing a lot of weight, haven't you? I said, well, yeah. You know what we do for alcoholics on the fourth floor? You can think of doing something like that for overeaters. Bam, I was asked to create the nation's first eating disorder unit. Had to give a speech to the doctors. I was scared to death, had to convince them this was a good idea. Right before the lecture, I forgot what my notes meant. I didn't know I had, you know, the flipping the chart. We didn't even have PowerPoint then. And I'd look at my notes. Well, what does this mean, flip the chart? I, you know, so my sponsor said, well, why don't you, you know, I, I called my sponsor before the thing. I said, she said, why don't you go in a little room and just pray, ask to be an instrument of his peace, ask to be a channel. Ask her to flow through you. I said, what? That that stuff is fine for those meetings, but this is medicine. And she said, what they always say, well, that's what I would do. See, nobody asks you to do anything they don't do. If you want what I have, you do what I do. So I just had to have a little talk with one of my people this week because I'm not going to go to all these meetings and absorb all of this stuff. And then I'm just going to give it back to her. She's got to do something too. It's a matching. Thank you. It's a matching donation. You know, God is like that pledge break guy. He says, okay, you put up five bucks. I'll match it. But it's not just a total You know, lay me back on a gurney and stick two IVs in my arm and wake me when it's over. Go, God, you're my butler. (laughs) Uh -uh. Uh-uh, uh-uh. So I'm always asked, honey, what are you going to put up? Where are you going to take on an action that's uncomfortable, an action that isn't your usual response to a situation? Zip the lip, restraint of tongue and pen. Take an interest in someone else. Give a smile and have a nice day. That's not me, baby. But it has become me. Because they say, you cannot think your way into right action, but you can act your way into right thinking. So, P.S. I thought the the lecture was terrible. I thought, my God, have I failed this God guy. My God. And the next day, everybody in the hospital was buzzing about, well, we heard about your program. Can we work? Blah, blah, blah. We want to send you a diabetic from the fourth floor. Blah, blah, blah. And all of this took off. Um, Within a year, I lost that whole thing. It was wonderful. I was obsessed with it I was so holding on it was my whole identity isn't this fabulous it's my baby and my baby was clutched out of my arms that's a longer story I'll tell you at another time and I thought it's the worst thing ever I thought I was gonna die and everyone in my family said, you got to sue that S.O.B.
1: Blah blah, 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 blah,
0: And everyone in program said, God doesn't close one door without opening a window. <laughs> I said, you take your window, you know? So then they say, do the next intended thing. I was completely out of work. I had just bought a house at the beach. That's another story. And, uh, the next thing to do was to sit down and finish writing my PhD dissertation. I had an ABD degree, which means all but the dissertation. You know, I'd completed all the coursework but couldn't get the writing done. So I wrote it and my advisors, it was all about the work I'd been doing at this hospital. And my advisors said, why don't you rewrite that for a popular audience? okay, I have the time, bam, became a bestseller, I was on Oprah three times, it launched me into a career I never would have thought for myself, of going all around the country doing training seminars and TV and radio stuff for for 30 years, for the next 30 years, I had a fabulous life doing all that kind of stuff, and of course, it enhanced my program as well, And I had to stay on my program, you know? So, eventually though, it became tiresome for me. I don't mean really tiresome, it's just that it wasn't authentic for me to be doing that anymore. It's kind of like I was played out, I was phoning it in. There was was less excitement and less, uh, I loved the OA retreats I did because it was interactive. You know, we were all growing and channeling each other. But uh, I gave it up. And also the media had changed, and they gave me up at the same time. Uh, I moved to New York to launch my radio career. I thought I'll ha- I had a radio show in Palm Springs that's where I live now. And uh, the station went off the air. I moved to New York with my little tapes. And I launched my radio career and it fizzled. No action. But I met the man of my dreams. This was 26 years ago. And I'm still with him today. I didn't even go through all the relationship stuff. I got to learn (laughs) staying in Al-Anon. But... uh, I decided I wanted to pull back from all that razzmatazz and just have a personal life like other people, you know, that I didn't have to be a workaholic. Having that job pulled away from me showed me that I'm not just my job. And so uh, I'm with a man who's not all that impressed with my accolades. He just likes hanging out with me, and he's someone I respect. A veterinarian, a Cornell grad. Oh my god, oh my god, I'm the person who never had a date but was advising all my girlfriends. I was always a good counselor <laughs> with no experience. So, um, so we are now retired in Palm Springs. Um, I, I have been thrown back to Al Anon. Uh, since the beginning of the year, because my husband's got a diagnosis that is uh, difficult right now. And with COVID and other things, we're having a very hard time. And uh, I hope everything's going to work out great. Uh, there's a, there's no symptoms right now. And uh, we we're, we're just now, this week, started again. Back in the system, trying to get another MRI. He has a brain tumor. And... Uh, it could be very, very benign, nothing, or it could be growing. So um, so there, and and it has thrown me back into Al-Anon because I want to manage and control his health care. I want to make all the appointments. I want to tell him what to do and how to do it. Uh, and I have to learn again that I have to respect the people I love and let them operate their way even if it's macho and stupid, if you ask me. But anyway, you know. So my goodness, uh, what else can I tell you? Uh, I'm back to my writing, which I, uh, no, I won't say that. I've been avoiding my writing, but I am getting back to it soon. I've been waiting to see what this next MRI shows us. And so I've been on Zoom like crazy, loving it. Uh, as soon as this is over, I'm going on a thing with people in Missouri where this, this couple are so fun and so full of program, and I love to learn from them. And I'm a newcomer again. I'm keeping it green. It's all uh, easy. I listen to my sponsor. I still have a sponsor after 46 years. Uh, I've always had a food sponsor and a step sponsor. After about 20 years of doing mostly Nazi gray sheep, I started being more experimental with my food plans under the observation of a sponsor. And uh, for the last great while now, I do not uh, weigh, measure, call in my food, write down my food, send it over on an email and all that stuff. Uh, I trust my judgment. It's very weird. My body doesn't call, you know, I, I'm gorgeous. Um, you know, I'm more interested in function than form. You know, I just got, my doctor says my blood work is great. My chiropractor says I'm standing up pretty well. And my massage guy says your muscles are working really good. And that's what I care about. I'm functional. And uh, like that. And I look good, you know? My bathing suit is size eight. Give me a break. I used to wear size 24. Was that 10 minutes or I'm done? Was that that? No, uh, you have a minute left. One minute left. Okay, so uh, to thine own self be true. Uh, I've seen a lot of people come through here, razzmatazz, work all the steps, talk all the slogans, but they didn't incorporate it into their personal life and their personal struggle. This is not a cult, you know? This is a pathway. And when I said about staying on the path, it's about me finding my own true self and my path. I don't know what God is, but I think it's a, a kind of an energy where all systems are lined up, and I'm walking straight ahead in what I'm supposed to be doing. And when I talk myself into doing what I'm not supposed to be doing, and that could be as much as being bitchy to a salesperson on the phone. Then I get the heebie jeebies, I get trouble, I want to slap myself with a twinkie, I want to punish myself. And then of course you've given me the tools of how I have to go back to Macy's and apologize for my behavior at that counter. And I do stuff like that. You know, I it's my time is up. So I don't I don't want to leave on my sour note. I still oh, I'll just say that most of my quote-unquote, character defects that uh, I call defense mechanisms. uh, Most of them are diminished most of the time. And like my friend Mimi says, when they come back, it's a question of frequency, duration, and intensity. Okay? They don't happen as often. They're not quite as volatile. And they dissipate quickly. I can turn it around quickly. So that's because of all the wisdom you guys have given me in these rooms. And I really appreciate being here. So thank you. Bye. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you very much, Judy. Thank you, Judy, for your pitch and for being of service. It is now time for questions and answer period until 1055. So if there's any questions for Judy. Love it. Judy hey, Rhiannon, Recovered Compulsible Reader. Bye. So you talked about having to go back into the, oops, I, I screwed up. Now I got to go apologize to the, to the Macy's counter girl. And so I'm reworking step six. And I've noticed that there are quite a few character
1: defects that I don't actually want to let go of. As much as grown up people, sh- like, Lying, you should want to let that go. How do you address
0: those character defects when you realize you don't, you want them gone, but don't want to let them go? Well, thank you. That's a great question, and I certainly uh, wanted to hold on. One of mine was gossip. I just thought that was of great value to somebody until I found people were gossiping about me too. Oh God! So it comes around and bites you. Uh, but you know, you don't have, like if you listen to that last thing I said. You don't have to give up anything. We are not saints. The point is, we are willing to grow along spiritual lines. So we shove it in. We do it less often, less volatile, and we move down the pike. And there may come times when uh, you think it works for you. It usually bites you. Uh, and which is very motivating then to get back on. But uh, it's not a saintly program. You know, we're hanging out here. We're all fallible human beings. And then, you know, when you see that you don't want to give it up and how hard it is to give it up, then you have compassion for all those other people in your life who haven't attended a meeting ever. You know, I think I'm going to go to meetings and they're going to change. <laughs> no. No. So yeah, it helps you uh understand the human condition. Thanks, great question. That's awesome, thank you. Hi, this is Elaine, the compulsive overeater, we covered and Judy, I want to thank you for your share. It was just beautiful to hear all the years that you've been in program and how it's worked for you and it's just um it's really exciting. You're lucky that you learned about the program when you were still young. Uh, I didn't learn about it till about five years ago, so uh, wow. I'm still in some ways a newbie. Uh, but I am very grateful for the program. What I want to ask you is, can you tell us about your step 10 and your step 11? I'd like to hear. And, and also, do you have, uh, uh, when I say step 11, I'm thinking particularly your nightly inventory, so your step Ten, and then you you're... 10. Yeah. Uh, ten, and then... Yes, okay. Yeah, step ten, and yeah. nightly inventory also, if you do that. I do not do... Thank you. I do not do a nightly inventory. Um, you know, I'm, I am mostly self-aware most of the time. I am often watching my behavior and, when wrong, promptly admitting it. Um You know, I I just don't do some of that. I don't do the nightly thing. Um, In terms of step 11, I have been through so many different uh, programs and teachings. I've spent time in Buddhist monasteries. I've traveled throughout Southeast Asia. Uh, I've done meditation. I do yoga. Uh, Ever since... uh, February, when we had the car crash, when we found out about my husband's illness, um, I have started back to doing uh, daily meditation and prayer at a shrine I have in the backyard. I did not do it this morning. I'm going to do it as soon as we're done here. Uh, And mostly what I'm doing there, guess what, is mentioning gratitude. Oh, God, yes, it's even me. I don't pray for outcomes, and I don't. Uh, I, I pray for strength to walk through what's coming down the pike, whatever that is, and also courage to be my best self. And uh, that's about it. So I I'm not a real. I'm a very eclectic program person, and that's how I was taught. Is we're going to plug in this step when it's present, when it's prevalent. You know, you'll write your fourth steps over and over and over through this program. It's not a one-time deal. None of these things are. So, thank you. Hi, I'm Amy, compulsive reader, And Amy, thank you very much for being our speaker. Uh, you, and I've heard other people talk about this before. I, I think you said you had a food, food sponsor and a step sponsor at some point or now, whatever, yeah. uh, why? why? Why does somebody have, I have one. Do I need two? Like, you know, that, that's where I'm going. So what, why? See, I don't know. I don't know. In those days, that's how it was recommended to us. Uh, your food sponsor would talk with you about your food. And your step sponsor would talk to you about the steps and the psychological part. And I didn't know any wisdom about that at all because I just followed direction. Whatever they said do, however stupid it seemed, I did it that way. Now, when I started having treatment centers, I realized something very interesting is whenever the patients got in the room with the nutritionist, they wanted to talk about their feelings. And whenever they got in the room with their counselor, they wanted to talk about food. And I said, aha, it's an avoidance thing, you know, that let's demarcate this. My food is my food. Yes. Sometimes I'm triggered and I eat over feelings, but deal with the feelings elsewhere. So that's, what's worked for me for many years. Uh, you know, in these days now I have stepsisters. Uh, we all help each other. And, uh, I mix it more. You know, I'll just say I might have the ribs today, restless, irritable, and discontent. And this food is calling to me. And that may not be a thing for a food sponsor. You know, it's just more mushy today. But I liked for the first many, many years, the discipline. The reason for calling in your food is not about dieting. It's about learning about honesty and discipline. And it's also about someone else cares about how I'm eating. Someone is going to witness what I'm doing with food. It's very important because I'll break a promise to myself, but if I have to tell you, it's very different. So I still strongly recommend that for at least the first 20 years. You. Yeah, you're welcome. Hi, I'm Reena, I'm a compulsive reader, and thank you so much for your share, Judy. And I have a question. Um, how did you come to, I mean, as I get older, my body's taking on different forms that I'm not used to. And you said, I'm gorgeous. And i like, oh, man, I'd like to be able to say that about myself. How did you come to that? Dealing with uh, dysmorphia if you dealt with it. Yeah. yeah. Again, it works. It's functional, right? How, how I walk is much more attractive than how this dress fits. You know, you see a lot of young girls and they're wearing their little black little tube things. And they're constantly pulling at their hem and they're very self-conscious and uncomfortable. Not attractive. But strut my stuff. And it takes practice. I used to do this in treatment centers. I would do exercises with women, walk back and forth. We went out on flirt assignments. You know, I take them to the car wash where mostly ex-cons were washing these cars and we'd get out of the van. And your assignment is, without anyone knowing, you have to flirt with these guys. And they would have to learn how to just sorta, no matter what, strut it. Now, I'm not, you know, advocating for any sex addiction or anything else here. I'm just saying you have to practice thinking you look good. I, I do, actually. I'm happy with how I look, and I'm sure that you're much happier than before program, right? Yes. Okay, so that's something to brag about, and, you know, to, to be, walk proud. Walk proud is what it is. Yes, my waist has fallen. Oh, you know, I'm 75 years old. So, uh, you know, I don't, I, I'm never going to have that body, that young woman's body, but this one's fine. And you know what? When you do yoga, things tighten up. They do. I mean, I used, you know, in my twenties, I had a body that would swish half a minute before me. You know when I moved my body was swishing back and forth now it all gets down the road at the same time that's great thank you I hope that helps I'm just saying that that does a lot thank you yeah act as if practice yeah
1: yes my name's Aida Jane and I really appreciated your share Um, I was just figuring out, I've been in the program 38 years, and yeah, and I'm happy with myself, and I'm not skinny, I'm comfortable for my age, I'm age appropriate, and I appreciate my body, you know, and my sturdy little legs, I'm only 5'1", but I have sturdy little legs, and I like them, and what I appreciated most about your share is that you didn't have to always give positive pictures. Because when I first got into OA, I mean, I was full of pain and anger, you know, and I needed to say a few cuss words in a meeting and just let it rip and have nobody, you know, like give me feedback or advice, just listen to me because I was in pain and, um, in most days now, I live happy, joyous, and free. I do have some pain in my life, some issues. You know, we all do. I'm going to go to al and I've resisted it for years. I think, just get your own damn disease. I am my own. I'm a over either, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so, but I'm thinking, no, I need that, you know, because I try to manage and control. So I just want you to know, I often get bored when we have speakers. I almost didn't check in because I think, yeah, yeah, yeah. And um when you've been around a long time, you'd rather hear from your friends for three, four minutes that you care about, you know, than somebody from LA. But I want you to know how much I appreciated your share. It was so genuine and authentic and I thank you so And I'll be doing my negative pitches when I need to. Great.
0: Thank you so much. Yeah, I'm inspired by you also. Thank Uh, you. Yeah, yeah. To that own self be true. Uh, It is time to close the meeting. Thanks to our speaker and to those who gave service.